0: This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to this bonus episode of the podcast. You've probably all heard me say a few things about the convention that's coming up next weekend here in uh, Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, It's called Magic City Con, and it's happening on June 8th through the 10th. And one of the guests this year is going to be Virginia Hay. And I was lucky enough to get to talk to her for a little while about her career and about her appearance uh, at the con this year. If you don't know who Virginia Hay is, you've probably seen her before and you just didn't know it. She's best known for her role as Zan in Farscape. She's also been in a ton of other stuff, including Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, and The Living Daylights, which was one of the Bond films that starred Timothy Dalton. And if you want to go way back, she was in the very first video that aired on MTV, which was Video Killed the Radio Star by the Buggles. So that's a, that's a deep cut, and I got to talk to her a little bit about that. I enjoy talking to her. She's a very nice lady. If you're going to the con next week, make sure you go by and visit her. Uh, she was in the UK when I talked to her, so I had to get up really early to make the call because uh, of the time difference. And even though she was doing me a favor by chatting with me, Uh, She was more worried about whether or not I'd have time to eat breakfast before I went to work that morning. So uh, that's the kind of lady she was. So um, special thanks to her for talking with me. Uh, She talks a little bit at the end of the interview about the perfumes and soaps and lotions that she makes and sells. If you want to find out more about that, you can go to her website at virginiahay.com. That's V-I-R-G-I-N-I-A-H-E-Y.com. Uh, If you're going to be in the South next week and you want to check out the con, then just go to MagicCityCon.com. Tickets are still on sale. They're not expensive. It's only $35 for the whole weekend. I'll be there. Uh, I'll be doing a panel about Star Trek Discovery. I'll be hosting a game of Sci-Fi Jeopardy. And um, actually, I'll be giving away some prizes, having a lot of fun. I'm teaming up this year with Joe Crow to have a screening of the Star Wars Holiday Special. And we'll be presenting that in Mystery Science Theater 3000 format. So we'll be uh, making fun of it as we watch it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, that's it for this intro. Remember, this is a bonus episode. This week's regular episode is coming out real soon. So wherever you downloaded this, make sure you go back and get the other episode as well. Enjoy the interview. miss hey how are you
0: i'm good what time is it there
1: it is uh about 11 minutes after 5 a.m
0: oh god what time do you have to go to work
1: oh i don't i I go in about seven so i'm good
0: oh you poor thing
1: no no i'm fine (laughs) i'm used to be i'm used to being up anyway how are you
0: i'm good thank you do you have to leave seven or do you have to be there at seven
1: i have to be there at seven but i only live about five minutes away
0: oh that's good have you had your breakfast yet
1: not yet. Not yet. I'll do that after uh, after we talk.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, have you got time to go? You should go and at least grab a cup of coffee.
1: No, I'm fine. I won't keep you very long.
0: Oh no, I'm not I know I'm I'm a natural motherly person. I'm I'm more worried about you. Oh no me, I've been up
1: No, for, no, I'm fine.
0: I've been up for um quite a few hours. I just um I had to go up to London. I had to go up for an exhibition. And um and the driving back, you know, was quite complex, and so I got back late. I got stuck in um, some really heavy mist. Here they have, actually, you wouldn't call it mist; it's like fog. I'm sure you've seen fog in um, Alabama, yeah, uh-huh. and it's a, right. the kind of fog that's so thick that you you only see a couple of feet in front of you. And uh, wow. and on the long drive back on the motorway. Um, I couldn't see anything, and there was a truck in front of me, so I was following the lights because I couldn't see the edge of the road. And I followed him off the freeway, and I didn't know. And so I got lost. <laughs> I got lost. Oh, wow. My sat was chucking a fit and, and just kept on taking me around in circles. And, and in the end, um, after about an hour of frustration, you know, trying to follow the sat-nav, I pulled my phone out and... Um, went on to google maps and finally got back but well it's kind of scary when you have that fog i've never had to drive in that sort of fog before
1: yeah we i mean we get we get fog here but it's 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 pretty rare to to be thick enough to affect not being able to see that far
0: <laughs> oh i thought you would have it because but. the humid place and sometimes when it's cold at night and 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 wet you know it creates that sort of missed but anyway oh i've got to ask you before we start um how are the hurricanes happening Uh, are they in alabama uh, birmingham
1: well they the main one kind of settled off the coast and just dumped a lot of rain on us
0: I was very worried because I thought, oh my goodness me, what's going to happen? I'm going to be stuck in the middle of a hurricane, <laughs> you know. And-
1: no, uh-uh. <laughs> no. I think next week. Next week the weather is supposed to be pretty nice. Oh,
0: good. So oh, it good. may be hot. Yes. Well, I'm expecting that. I'm expecting that. I um I had a scare uh, last year. I went to oh god, where was it? I'm just trying to think. Um, was it Texas? I can't think right now, but it was—I'm pretty sure it was in Texas, somewhere—and uh, they had a, an earthquake while I was there, but a really, oh, really? a really wow. bad one. And I was in a hotel way up high. I was on the 18th floor, and their hotels are designed to withstand um, a lot of um, earthquake activity, so they—they—they they, they and I, of course, I'm I'm way up high, and the hotel's swaying really profoundly left and right. I thought, Oh God, I'm gonna die! I'm gonna die! Oh wow! So, yeah, that was <laughs> really scary, really scary. So I'm kind of scared of uh, Mother Nature hitting me when I'm in the states. <laughs> you know, after that experience.
1: <laughs> I don't, th- I don't think Alabama has anything uh, in in surprise for you for next week.
0: <laughs> oh God, I'm glad <laughs> you may miss all of it. Yeah, I was just so because I've been watching the news.
1: Well, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, about your career mm-hmm. and then, the, you know, the kind of the things that you're working on now and your appearance at the con next week. At so the
0: show. Of-
1: I was looking at your biography mm-hmm. uh, last night because, I mean, most of my audience is probably going to remember you from Farscape and from uh, Mad Max 2 yes. and things like that because mm-hmm. we're mostly uh, science fiction and fantasy kind of based. Uh, but you... You kind of got your career started. The first thing that I see in your uh, biography is that you were in the, the Buggles video for a Video Killed the Radio Star, which kind of launched MTV.
0: <laughs> wow, well, I didn't think you were going to go back that far, because I, I was expecting you just to start with Mad Max, and I thought, I was going to say, no, I was before then. But the Buggles, yeah, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I just got, um, how did that happen? God, I can't even remember. I was modeling... And I think um, an Australian – I think it was Russell Mulcahy, one of your – he's an Australian, extremely famous, highly respected um, director, very, Mm -hmm. very creative guy and incredibly cool. And um, he went on to do, you know, so many music videos for for every single hot band in the the 80s. But um, so he was – just beginning to be, you know, highly sought after. Um, he was living in London, uh, work-wise, of course, you know, highly sought after. And um, and I think he, it's one of the things, I think they were looking for, oh, hang on a minute, I think I've got this wrong. Oh, you've, you've thrown me here because I'm trying to remember that far back. I think it was at the end of the <laughs> 70s. Um, anyway, he... he uh, I was going to say that they approached my agency, but you know what? I don't think they did. Uh, I, he definitely recommended me to Trevor Horn uh, because they were looking for someone who was going to fit what they um, had in mind visually. You know, someone um, mm-hmm. striking, I guess, you know, so and also someone who could perform. Um, and, um, he recommended me, which was really sweet. And uh, so I got the job. I was asked, I think went through, I'm pretty sure it went through my agent, um, in London. And I was living in London at the time. He was living in London. I hadn't seen him. I don't think I had met him or if I had, it would have been, you know, very briefly socially in Australia before then. And I used to flip a lot between um, Australia and London way back in the 70s when I was modeling because when you're a model, pardon me, um, you can't stay in one place too long. Um, because the work you start to saturate, especially if you 're working a lot like I was, you start to saturate the market and people uh, right. so you need to keep 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 moving, so I would work in Australia for six months as a model and do everything and then you know there's every second ad on tv is me and every magazine you know um features me and 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 the same with the top models all the top models the same thing and so you Mm -hmm. have to leave because you don't want people to get sick of you so you you leave and then so i used to fluctuate um my time between london and well new york london sydney and in those days um that was the you know if you were working a lot as a model then those were the three cities rome as well but i hadn't really gone over to rome i did bri- briefly but i didn't spend any time there i wish i had now in retrospect but i wish they had been to fourth city so i used to go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards all the time and um six months here, three months there four months there no wonder i didn't establish a uh, you know, a husband or family life because I was constantly <laughs> working and then, you know, getting into acting, of course, same thing. You're just working, working, working. So that's how it happened. And it was tons of fun. The whirlwind just did, uh, did Top of the Pops and all of the main um, uh, music video, music shows in Europe. Didn't get over to America with the Buggles. I think by then I'd gone back to Australia and they, I think they um, assigned someone else. To the the role, and um, yeah, so it was it was amazing. I absolutely loved. And Trevor Horn used to call me Sydney, because when he first met me, um, I had to bring my passport and things like that, so they could check that, you know, that uh, I had appropriate visas and um so forth you know and check my my name and make it was all very quick and you know, create a right. create a sort of business record for me and things like that in their business and uh, he misread my passport just as he was opening it up and he thought my name was sydney <laughs> which was hysterical so he <laughs> said oh my god no i'm, I'm definitely i'm going to call you sydney from now on so that was my nickname got called Sydney. (laughs) So that was fun. And that um, went on to be the first uh, music video ever. So, wow, aren't I lucky?
1: Yeah, that kind of launched MTV, which was uh, pretty much a staple of my uh, teenage years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I keep getting that kind of stuff. It's a real landmark moment. That's something I really should put in my bio, bio that I was, you know, but not partially responsible but i was certainly right up there front and center in the launch of um, uh-huh. mtv so um yeah so very proud of that moment
1: so mad max 2 uh i think i think over in the uk it was just called the road warrior over here it was called mad max 2
0: where are you you're but, in um, alabama no,
1: I'm in Alabama. You're in Alabama.
0: Yes. No, it's the other way around. You can't
1: tell from my uh, from my wonderful southern accent.
0: <laughs> well, but but gentle people with your like, the accent live all over the world, so you could be you could be anywhere right now. So, yeah, that's true. Um, no, in in America and Canada, um, it was called the Road Warrior. In England and Australia. And most other places, it was called Mad Max 2, and the reason for that is because Mad Max 2 was such a huge global smash hit, and just and remained a hit forever until this day. Um, that if if it had been called Mad Max 2 in America, uh, then people would have said, well, what about Mad Max 1? What's that all about? You know, so it was it was launched as the Road Warrior there. Whereas in other places in the world, um, people had already seen Mad Max One, so it was a right. natural progression. But um, yeah, I have to whenever I write it down, I have to refer to it as Mad Max Two um, uh, hyphen Road Warrior.
1: The Road Warrior, mm-hmm. right? Well, what what do you remember about because that was a pretty big movie and that was kind of early in your career. So what what do you? Uh, What do you remember about being in a movie that big that early on?
0: Well, when you're in um, pretty much any movie except one that's really, really established, you don't really know if it's going to be big or not. And all we knew was that it was something extraordinary that no one had ever seen before. The costuming, the, the script, the car chases, just the whole look, everything about it. And uh, everybody involved was just in awe because we had extraordinary artists designing it. You know, One of the key figures that made Mad Max look so extraordinary was Norma Morrison, who was um, Australian. Was she Australian or English? I'm pretty sure she was Australian, but she lived, she walked all over the world. She was so incredible. And mm-hmm. uh, she designed the look, the look of all of the costuming. And, of course, that's one of the things that, I think, you know, one of the key things that makes it so remarkable, all of those costumes, because she actually created a genre. We'd just come out of the punk era, and she had, like me, you know, lived in London in the late 70s or mid-70s. 76 was when punk hit um, England really strongly, anyway. It had been brewing for you know years. And it hit the fashion world in 1976. And it was street fashion, really. And um, so she took that, she took lots of elements of that and combined that sort of warrior You know what we all perceive to be warrior and uh, mixed it all together and created this incredible look that pretty much everybody's copied since then and even in modern day you look around you see um, still people spiking their hair up you see variations of mohawks even today I mean today people shaved sides of heads that's all all comes from Mad, Mad Max and the punk era so we looking at all of that we knew that we were involved in something really remarkable But it was incredibly low budget, and um, it's so funny, you know. I must tell you, it really never ceases to make me giggle because people seriously think that I'm a multimillionaire, you know, based on a lot of the – because a lot of the work that I've done has been – I've been very lucky, you know, has been huge blockbusters all over the world, but shot in Australia, you know. And in Australia, we we act as – we don't get the – kind of the the sort of pay that American actors do we get very we just get paid really minimum amounts. so if you want to be an actor in Australia you do it for love you do it because you love the, right. the crowd that's why there's so many fantastic Australian actors you know working in America because we, we it, in some cases um, people want to get into acting because they think wow I want to be famous and I want to be rich and how, what fun and what the lifestyle and yeah, (laughs) great. But in Australia you, you do it because you, you just love the craft and you want to just really get down and do hard work and, and, uh, and go for it, and the the money is is incredibly minimal, and we don't get residuals or royalties, you know. So you're paid once. So I got paid once for Mad Max in 1981. You know, very little money. Oh wow! Only a, you know a few thousand dollars. So it's all, almost nothing. And people think that 35 years later, you know, I must have millions from it. And it's it's so I just have <laughs> I have to laugh, you know, because I thought where do they think the money comes from? Anyway. Um, yeah, it was it was an extraordinary um, <clears throat> movie and um, very low budget. As I said, a uh, tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, just desert, Australian desert. It was shot in the winter, so it was very very cold down there. And Australia is a big place; it's the same size as America, pretty much. North mm. North America. And so you have fluctuations of climate, you know, up in the northern. It's, it's sort of like America, but upside down. In America, in the southern parts, right. it's really hot. And in northern parts, it's co- very cool, very cold. But in Australia, in the southern parts, it's very cold. In the northern parts, it's hot. So where we shot was in the south, and so it was in winter, very, very cold. We were freezing. The costumes actually were supposed to be suddenly mine was supposed to be a little more minimum minimal than it was. I was meant to have bare legs, and uh, I think a bare one of the drawings I saw was bare midriff, but that was impossible because it was you know it was so cold. But um,
1: yeah, Southern Australia is kind of kind of getting close to Antarctica. <laughs>
0: um, well, yes, in the southern, yeah the southern part, yeah. not quite, but we um yeah, it's quite co, i mean it's not snowy it it does snow in some southern parts, right. but it's not as you you know maybe I'm painting a picture of it to be you know really snow beach, mountains and things like that, but uh there that does exist, but it's it's um it isn't snowing as you know, in the movie, but it was it was quite cold. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, fantastic cast and, and crew, everyone's, you know, no one's, it wasn't a big budget, it was tiny budget, and we're all just hard-working people wanting to create some fantastic art, and we didn't know what was going to happen to it, whether it would be successful. We just assumed that it would be shown in Australia. You know, nobody expected it to be shown all over the world, and suddenly no one expected it to be a massive global smash hit that still is a hit, thirty-five years later. You know, who knew?
1: Did that change things for you a lot when it became so successful? Um,
0: well, no. Yes and no, because we we're pretty laid back in Australia, and and um, I don't think anyone had been a smash hit at that stage any of the actors um, internationally. Not that I can think of. I don't want to insult anybody. If I've uh, many apologies if I've not thinking of anyone in particular, but the industry was very new in those days. There was a lot of television of course. So um agents didn't think to take advantage of the sort of marketing possibilities. So I just stayed in Australia, you know, and I just thought, Oh wow, how cool it's in America. The film's in America and it's well received everywhere. Oh, that's brilliant you know so you don't you just carry on and it didn't really occur to me or to my agent or to anyone in the movie really to pursue don't forget in those days there's no social media no twitter no instagram no emails no no internet nothing to right. you know these days if whatever you do is is immediately globally seen and heard the second you do it you know so it's mm-hmm. it's a whole different ball game but back then it was, you know, in a very laid-back world. And um, so if something was released, there was no press on the Internet, you know. There was a press release uh, sent out to wherever it was shown, you know, to the newspapers and magazines. And, you know, it had um, heavy press coverage wherever it went. But in those days, it, it was a different world, you know. they thing You didn't get instant... Um, stars made whereas now you do because someone will be seen as I said the second they set foot on well even the second they're contracted it'll be all over social media and a star will be created even that soon even before the movie comes out You know, but it's right. a different world now so it only really impacted me when I decided oh I think I'll go back to London and do some work and uh, shortly after that so for no reason except just to you know, I I had become used to, that was my first acting job. Before that, as I said, as a model, I was moving all around the world constantly. So I carried that on. So, you know, off I tunneled back to London and I thought, oh, I'm an actor now. I better approach an acting agent. And um, after my first movie, and I thought, I don't know who to approach. What do I do? And I suddenly thought, Well, normally I would probably approach someone, you know, in the middle, you know, maybe not wanting to, you know, we we, in Australia, we don't think that much of ourselves. You know, we're not, uh, you're not encouraged to be grandiose in Australia or to think, wow, I'm a big star now because that's not, we're, we're very down to earth. Really, we really are. It's a, We're different beings than in other places. So I would never have thought of, you know, wow, based on this movie, I'm a big star now, so I can approach pretty much any agent, because I wasn't a big star, because we, you know, that there was no internet, so I didn't know the impact on, of the movie, and I certainly had never acted before. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. My agent didn't necessarily know what they were doing in Australia, so... I just, you know, I was just a little old person in London thinking about, oh, okay, well, which agent should I go to? And I I giggled. I was talking to a friend and I said, maybe what I should do is to try the most top agency first and then of course they'll say no you know try the next one down they'll say no try the next one down the right. next one down yeah. because I didn't know who to go to and I didn't want to go to a really you know a bad agent so that's the only reason why I thought oh well I'll, you know I'll try from the top down and and then hopefully you know then I'll maybe someone who wants me will be in the middle to the low you know standard and um, and then I'll start from there and again, it's a different different time back in in those days. You know, you you I was invisible because there was no internet, so I was literally invisible to the world. Right. So um, so I contacted the topmost agency in London, which was William Morris, and they said, "Oh my God, yes, come with us." I went, "What? Really? <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> I was just you seriously. I what really was not." that it was just I I just thought I would try you know but I didn't ever in a million years expect to be accepted so that um, so that yes that impacted because without Mad Max I would never have been accepted by um, that top agency so in that way yes it did change my world really because then I started to be put put up for Really serious, fantastic roles, you know, and uh, it went from there. So Mad Max did, yeah, it did change my my world really. Although I didn't uh, take advantage of. If if it was these days, it would be very very different. You know, because I would have had more opportunities, I think, throughout the world to to do really good work. But without with no right. internet. Whatever you're doing in London is not seen anywhere. So, you know, it it was it was a different world yeah. back then. It would have it would have changed my life even more remarkably had we had the internet.
1: And you were in a you were in a lot of stuff after that. I mean, you were one thing that stands out to me is you were in a you were a Bond girl. I was in the Living Daylights.
0: Yeah, and but one of the things you know, it's it's kind of a shame that the world doesn't know a lot of Australian productions because most people. Um, only know me from Fast. when I do convention appearances they only know me from Farscape and then they're really shocked to hear that I was in Road Warrior Mad Max and there's the occasional Bond fan will go oh my god you're in a Bond as well but that's pretty much it but in Australia I did so much TV one after the other after the other after the other and all main cast characters not you know there's there's a lot of people doing extra work these days you know background artists who are in um, big movies and so their bios read they're quite impressive bios but it's actually all just background work um crowd scenes and things like that whereas for me it was one main cast role after another bang 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 but in australia mainly um, because I didn't have appropriate visas and stuff for to stay in um, the UK. So, of course, I was only over here for a few months at a time. But, um, yeah, that was quite a few years later after I started acting. I started acting in 81 and did The Bond in 87, I think it was. So it was seven years of acting um, straight through without a stop until then. And um, it was a tiny little role that was offered to me. But I just thought, you know what? I'd be really stupid to, to say no to this one because it's one of the biggest brands in the world, and right. uh, mm-hmm. so and and something a feather in my cap to be one of the Bond girls. There's not very many Bond girls in the world, you know. So, so I accepted a, a very tiny role in the biggest franchise on the planet. So I was quite, right. you yeah, know, I was proud of that. That was pretty cool.
1: Now, like I said, most of my audience is probably going to remember you from uh, from Farscape. And yes. You were on Farscape for a while. You, uh, you were on there for three years, right?
0: That's right. Yes, I was. Yeah, it was an extraordinary character. I actually really truly believe that I learned how to act um, in in leaps and bounds further than I had learned before doing fastcape if that makes sense it fastcape was such a complex character because she's an alien so they can make it as complex as they like she's not a, a normal mm-hmm. human being you know so the because she was an alien the the and because i really was loving the complexities and so i would say to the writers oh make her more you know challenge me make her more and more and more complex so they did and um it was really hard. It was the, the most difficult <laughs> role I've ever had in the whole of my entire. The most difficult time I've, I have, have ever had in the whole of my entire life. But if you don't work hard, working hard at something, whatever it is, it hurts. You know, if you're, you know, if you're a journalist, if you're a painter your hands are going to hurt. You're going to look at someone like Leonardo da Vinci. You know, he must have almost broken his back, lying on his back for years, painting incredible masterpieces, you know, with his team, of course. Mm -hmm. Anything that you do that when you work really hard, it hurts. It hurts your body. It hurts your mind. It hurts everything. But the sense of accomplishment that you have is extraordinary. Like in your field, um, what do you do um, generally? Like what are you going off to do now for your work?
1: Well, for a li- I work in in the manufacturing industry in a, uh, a warehouse that builds up. We build connectors for power lines. All right, and I work in the uh, quality department. So.
0: Well, you know, you see people in your industry, you know, and how hard they work, and the, and the people that really, really want to reach the top. Like most people, are reasonably happy staying at the you know position in their work that that they are and then eventually they'll get um a promotion and up they go but some people you know don't want a promotion they're very happy to stay where they are but if you want to do better then you you have to work hard i don't care what it is you know in what industry you have to work hard and working hard is not easy that's why a lot of you know there are some people that don't want to do it (laughs) because it it takes extreme extreme effort and uh, the same with um, with acting, if you have an opportunity to play a complex role, oh my God, grab it and really throw yourself into it, because you learn so much from it, you better yourself um, as as an actor, as a crafts person, you know, as an artist and and even though it hurt like hell, the hours were unbelievable. you know just it was really tough. But at the end of the day, you know I look back and think, "Oh did such a good job you know my dad always said that's the joy in in working hard to to look back and and say i'm really proud of myself you know i gave it everything i could he used to say don't even bother to to try something unless you can do a hundred percent you know really work hard and, right. and always do your best but we in our family we have an impossible work ethic we will literally work until we drop because we just love that sense of accomplishment you know and um and we have a lot of self-pride in our family so we uh so I worked really hard so that was um that was the enjoyable thing for me even though that sounds crazy um but there'll be a lot of people listening who go yeah I feel the same way you know my my job hurts me but I i I work so hard, and I have such a great sense of accomplishment and you know i'm very proud and and they and they push forward you know after that um in being trying to be one of the best in their in their field you know so i mean look at any craftsperson you know someone who works with their hands um you know building things, designing things, even architects you know uh, working so hard that they're you know it it really does stress the the mind and body but it's a good stress does that make sense
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. W- was that the first uh role that you ever had that had the intense makeup and, and, and stuff like that?
0: oh yes i had never been a as, as you know from looking well you don't know that some of the stuff in australia but um i had always just been a main cast um character uh, a, a main cast actress and hadn't ever done any prosthetic roles. Um, So that was my first. And I wasn't even told, actually, that I would be wearing the, the prosthetic makeup when I auditioned.
1: Oh, I wow. see so you just showed up and <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty much because they, you know, they knew the casting people knew that I would, cause in Australia, it's a fairly small community. So, you know, you get to know all the casting agents and they get to know you casting directors rather, and they get to know you very mm-hmm. well. So they knew, they all knew that I would be right for for this role, and but they also knew that there is no way I would have gone for the role had they told me that I had to shave my hair off and and be covered in you know blue plastic paint for sixteen hours a day. They knew that I would say no. So they also knew <laughs> that once I saw the script, that I would absolutely fall in love with the character. So you know, the casting directors knew me well, and they they knew that. Um, it was worth, you know, not telling me. So, because by the time I went through so many auditions and got the job and then turned up for the makeup um, tests, as you always do, you know, the makeup artists always want to, especially if you're playing a lead, one of the lead roles, they always want to um, just have a little test. And the, the, one of the makeup artists said to me, ah, oh, so as she's, you know, looking at my face. Oh, so how do you feel about shaving off your eyebrows? I said, "What? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me! Shaving off my eyebrows? No way! I'm not going to. Come on, use some wax. You know, because <laughs> they use these this wax you know process that they can um, mask your eyebrows. I said, you know, because I knew I was playing an alien. Can't you use that? She said, "Oh, well, if you're going to be that, that, um, you know." weird about it. What are you going to do when they shave your head? I said, shave my, <laughs> shave my head? There is no way that you're going to shave my head. No way. So I immediately called my agent and said, this is ridiculous. But I was contracted at, at that stage. So I had to go ahead. But, and I threw the whole production into chaos. And they had to, it was a mad scramble for them to try to invent something, you know, some headpiece. But the makeup artist was quite clever. And um, she, very clever, and she said, well, one of the makeup artists, and she said to me, well, uh, if you, and, and after I discovered that another f- absolute freak out for me was being blue. I had no idea that I would have that extensive <laughs> makeup. But once I, um, I just thought, oh, well, I'd re- you know, I'd rather be blue than bald. And, but she said to me, well, the blue makeup is going to take three and a half hours to apply every day if we put a bald cap on you or some kind of headpiece on you that's going to add another hour or an hour and a half to the makeup in the morning so that's going to be four and a half five hours of makeup every day for years and at the end of the day it's going to add another hour to the makeup process to remove it and already it was you know getting up at 10 to 3 in the morning a.m. to go to work and right. then not getting back until 10 o'clock at night. So I knew that th- those were going to be my hours. I, I didn't know how I was going to survive. I thought it was literally, you know, I dropped down dead because that's no sleep, you know. So, Right. Um, so to add another um, three hours on top of that for the ball cap and, and taking it off or the headpiece was was just not possible. So I said, Oh, for God's sake, that means I get an hour's sleep. That's not I won't be able to cut you know, I can't do that. So um or half an hour's sleep or some crazy thing. So I just said just shave it off. Shave it off. But um the but one of the the hard parts of that job, just one of the hard parts, was actually coping with the no sleep or very little. That can make you really ill, as you know. Oh yeah. Because if you have, I don't know if you've ever worked a double shift where you just miss mm-hmm. sleep for, you know, one one day. Or two days, if you do a couple of days of double shifts, you it nearly kills you. Well imagine doing the equivalent of double shifts for years. You know, you that alone will will make you really ill. So it was the job was incredibly difficult on me in every single way, physically, mentally, emotionally, every every way. But <clears throat> on the good side is that I was able to build the most extraordinary character of under the under the pressure god i you know i often imagine if they had because in america they're not allowed to um to work you that hard if you're in prosthetic makeup but in australia there was no rules because no one had right. done it before that even though it was only you know in the uh, at the end of the 90s there still hadn't been anything quite that big in australia with um, big 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 prosthetic makeups um, shortly after was star wars and and that's you know then Australia became one of the, the key places for that sort of specialized makeup The makeup was it was brand you know that kind of prosthetic process was brand new in Australia, so there were no rules and regulations set now there are of course, but back then right, uh, yeah. they weren 't you know but I often wonder how i mean I just I was able to build this character and I was half dead you know every day and physically and mentally and just like I just <laughs> I don't know how I did it imagine if I had full night's sleep what I could have done wow you know I really yeah. it's it was extraordinary but they often say that under the you know the the most extreme hardships comes the most extraordinary art. So maybe I needed the, you know, that, that pressure on me to push me to the limits, but it was by far my best. um, I think I learned a lot of, about acting my best acting role.
1: I have a friend um, that is on my show. Occasionally, his name is uh, Christopher DeFilippis and he was a big, uh, Farscape fan. Oh, yes. So I sent him a message last night and told him that I was going to be talking to you this morning and asked him if there was anything that he wanted me to ask you. And uh, he said, well, just ask her. um, I talked to her at a convention about a week or two before her character was killed in Farscape. Ask her why she didn't tell me.
0: Oh, (laughs) duh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, uh this 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 what's his name david
1: no christopher oh, I beg your
0: pardon, christopher hi christopher uh well i think <laughs> that's um you know that's a pretty kooky question to ask me and uh self-explanatory i think you know right <laughs> but well, he was being facetious <laughs> yeah i'm sure it was however <clears throat> pardon me some people aren't you know some people were were really offended you know, and they would say, "Why didn't you know? Why, why? Because what, the internet was brand new when we mm-hmm. um, when we started. It, it, it had existed uh, for a few years, you know, in the early '90s, but not really. It wasn't really global. And email had had only really just come in, and and social media, uh, Farscape didn't, um, Facebook didn't exist, Instagram didn't exist, Twitter didn't exist. So we had very sort of rudimentary bulletin boards i think they used to call them which were just sort of pages of black pages with white text going down it just seems so crazy now you know to to think about what we had those days but it was the first time in history that actually that fans could have a you know a second by second conversation with their favorite actors right there you know in their living rooms from home um that was nowadays it's it's common even the president of america can have a second by second conversation with people on twitter you know i mean but in those days Mm. that was it was unheard of you know that it didn't exist so so there were uh, we thought it was so cool in australia you know because as fastgate was showing in america we were actually able to talk to as many fans as we could in the bulletin rooms bulletin boards are you familiar with those
1: Yes, ma'am. Bulletin yes.
0: boards, yeah. But so way, way, way back. And so there were um, a lot of fans that felt that really, you know, knew us personally because we had never met them and we, well, shortly after we met as many as possible at at conventions, which was tons of fun. But when you're talking online, you know, it's very sort of deceptive because you feel you know someone, but actually you really, you don't. And so there are a lot of people who got, um, who used to chatter away to us in the bulletin boards who really got seriously offended when when, um, we wouldn't tell them. Um, plot lines and things like that and of course you can't you know it's serious business but a lot of people forget that it's very very serious business and you can't it's you're just an actor in a show it's you're you have a responsibility to yeah and you
1: have contracts saying that you won't leak secrets but you have to keep
0: confidential otherwise it just ruins the 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 artistic tension of the, the show you know you can't be blurting out um storylines everybody always wants to know what's going to happen next week you know what are you doing and (laughs) they get really annoyed and offended when we won't tell them (laughs) so but uh, Christopher lovely to to have that question from you darling and uh, you cheeky devil (laughs) is he going to be at um magic city con
1: no he he won't be there he's uh he lives in new york so
0: oh that's such a have you
1: have you ever been to birmingham before
0: i never have i'm really looking forward to it it's i've been looking online at the show it looks like such a fantastic show and really family friendly too which is great so um i'm looking forward to that and you have a lot of at magic city con you have um tons of gaming rooms and and, and cosplay mm. events and there's tons and tons and tons of stuff not just the actors and the autographs because there's loads of shows that's just all about the actors and the autographs but but uh, yeah it looks like um, an amazing show I'm really looking forward to it and big shout out to to Jamie and Rita too for looking after me and, and Mike Inslee who is my convention manager but he's also an organizer himself and he owns and runs um a show in florida in pensacola called pensacon so i'm very fortunate to have um such an experienced um manager at, at this one so jamie and reader have been really looking after me and um, i'm very excited i haven't met them before so i'm expi- excited yeah to- they do
1: a great job this is the fourth uh, year that we've had magic city con and every year it gets a little bigger wow and uh and it's great, yeah. And we do have the the big uh, gaming room. You can play board games, card games, video games, all that kind of stuff. And then the, I, I like the, the the different types of panels because they've got the panels with celebrities like yourself, but then they've got uh, they got panels with. Joe, nobody like me, <laughs> that's just playing a, you know, I'll be playing Jeopardy and stuff like that in one of the smaller rooms and giving away prizes. and but things that's like this. There's a little bit of everything for everybody. But, so.
0: that, yeah, I mean, people don't want to be, you know, they don't want to have a brain freeze of constant cerebral, you know, things that they have to really concentrate. They also want to have a laugh and have fun and let their hair down mm-hmm. and have a giggle. You know, so I notice there's right. loads of panels that are loads of fun and there's lots of, um... Also, um what do you call it? like not I don't want to say educational panels, but panels where people can learn things. You know, learn crafts and 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 um see specialists, you know, talking about their their fields. Yeah, I think it's a, a really um fantastic show. I've I haven't ever been there, so I, I don't really you know, it's not like going You know, sometimes you go to a show and you you go to it three times so you know exactly what's going to happen. And so you can tell everybody all about it. Oh, and there's going to be this and this and this. Whereas Magic City Con is, is unknown for me. So I'm really, I'm excited. I'm like a fan that's going to a show for the first time. So for me, it's going to be, you know, extra cool. So
1: are you going to be here the whole weekend? Oh,
0: of course. Yeah. Okay, oh, cool. actually yeah. I mean, I'm very hands-on this. You know, some actors will just appear for a couple of hours each day, but not me. I'm, I I love to get in there and and attend as, as long as I can. You know, I only have a certain amount of stamina in my old age so I can only manage about 10 hours, 10 hour, 11 hour days. And after that, I'm just a mess. I need to just, you know, put my feet up and relax, yeah, for, ready okay. for the next day. But look, I, I I, want to let some people know, too, that, and I normally don't do this because it's heavy to carry my product, but I, I make um, handmade product, perfumes and soaps and lotions and all sorts of things. And I'm, I'm not bringing an awful lot because it's just too heavy and you can't bring stock into the US. So... I'm just bringing some, I just want to people to know I'm bringing some perfumes, not very many, but it's my, the one that is the most extraordinary. It's called Reiki Perfume and uh, men love it as well as women, but it's mainly a, a female um, fragrance. And it's actually, I've choos- I'm choosing that one to bring because it's the one that started me off in the business of making fragrances and products in the first place. And it all happened when I first went to conventions in America. And um, I'm quite a touchy feely person. I love to hug and you know, when I'm doing selfies with people I always give them a big squeeze. And back in the day people would always say, Oh my God, what is that perfume you're wearing? It's so beautiful and I would tell them, Oh well that's my perfume. It's called Reiki. I make it myself and they'd say, Oh, where can I buy it? And I go, Well you can't you can't buy it. I just make it for me and so many people commented that you know on how lovely it was so many people said please 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 could you make a bottle please 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 would you sell it so i sort of reluctantly started to make some because i thought oh i just want that for me and no one else but but i looked around at all the other actors tables and they were selling cds and books and memorabilia and caps and posters and all sorts of things and i thought well you know, there's no one, I'm sure that nobody would be, you know, uh, I'm sure that it would be appropriate if I bought some perfumes. It's sort of unusual. But I did, and oh my God, they just got snapped up. So that started my little business, and that was in uh, 2001, 2002. And since then, I've been making these products um, when I'm not attending conventions. And so, um, I normally don't do this. I normally don't bring these days, now that I'm older, you know, things are harder to carry really heavy, heavy, heavy bags. So I tend not to, especially going overseas. But um, I'm going to bring a few bottles and only four, five, six, only six. That's it. I'll only have six bottles. So if anyone... Um, is familiar with that Reiki perfume, you better jump at those ones because there's there's only six. I just wanted to let people know so they knew in advance. Okay. So. So there you go. So I've said that. But um,
1: <laughs> I have one. I did, I did have one other thing I wanted to ask you. We ask this anytime we have a celebrity guest come on the show because the name of the podcast is Cosmic Potato.
0: Cosmic Potato. Uh,
1: <laughs> right, because we're we're couch potatoes and we like TV shows and and yeah. movies and sci-fi and stuff like that. So we ask all of our guests, what is your favorite way to consume a potato?
0: Oh, it's got to be baked potato got to be baked potato for me with my favorite favorite would be um, butter and um, cheese and actually and this may sound strange but baked beans really I absolutely love baked potato with tons of butter and um, a little and not loads of baked beans but you put baked beans and then cheese on top that is my favorite I love it
1: Mm. now I've had chili I've had chili with beans on a potato before but I've never had just just to me. Now, if you're coming to Alabama, I'm sure somebody's going to take you to dinner somewhere that's going to have fried potatoes. So you're going to have some some fried potatoes while you're here. Oh uh,
0: no, <laughs> I won't be having fried potatoes. I I um I tend not to eat fried food. I'm I'm a very health conscious person. So in fact. Yeah. Um, Yeah, very much so. So I'll be having – other people can have all the fried food they like all around me, and I'll just be having my, you know, probably some um, salads and fish, vegetables, rice, things like that. You know, healthy, super, super, duper healthy food. So that's for me. But I am looking forward to – I won't be able to go out to too many places in the evening because I just get too tired, you know, after the long days – because I'm 66 now, I'm not a kid anymore, I just don't have the same <laughs> stamina. I've got, you know, pretty good stamina, but, um, but you know, I don't have the same stamina that I did when I was 30 or 20 or even 40, you know, or even 50. So I can only cope with, you know, entertaining everybody and having lots of fun and, you know, really sort of full on um, working at the conventions uh, for probably about 10 hours in a day and then then I'm a wreck. at night and then you have to get myself ready for the next day but everybody going to the show they're not working they can have lots of fun and flit around and then you know go out to dinners at night and things like that so it's it's a lot of magic city i think it's a lot of fun for um for for the whole family and it is kid friendly too it's child friendly right there's lots of people that right in. yeah
1: we have a whole uh, uh kid con where they have a they have a costume contest and everything just for the kids and, oh yeah, i love there's that. a lot for them to
0: do i love that
1: all right well i appreciate this and i look forward to meeting you in person next week
0: oh thanks darling i'm looking forward to seeing you too so you going to come along to the table or am i going to see you before the show starts or what what's what's happening what is what are we all doing i on? will
1: be i will be all over the place you'll be everywhere so i'm sure i will i will come to your table and yeah. i'm sure you'll be doing a i'm sure you'll be doing a panel at some point i'll be i'll be in there now i'm supposed to be emceeing at least one celebrity panel but they haven't told me whose it'll be yet
0: oh they kind of wait until the last
1: minute to tell me what i'm going to be doing do you know
0: what it could be mine so, but
1: i will it could be
0: it could you be. never know hey there's loads of really cool um, other actors going and artists. I can't wait to see everybody. And I, I don't know that I've met anyone before. So I'm really excited about that. The, um, the other actors. I don't know. I might've, I might've, but I, might have put, put I haven't
1: met all of them. Some, some of them have been here before and some of them are like yourself. They're new and they haven't come before. How And cool. last year, uh, Ming Chen who is on, uh, comic book man, which is a show that comes on AMC, mm. um, I I interviewed him on the show last year. Cool. And he, he was here last year and then he'll
0: be here again this year. Oh, so. great. So, um now, is there anything I need to know to avoid when I'm over there? Like is there some mad food that someone's going to say, "Oh, Virginia, you should try this." And that I but I really should not try that? Is this or is there well, something, some place that I should be very wary about being taken to as a joke, or you know, is there something you need to warn? No, me there's.
1: About? I mean, es- mm-hmm. especially around because they're, they're having the um, they're having the convention at the uh, Hyatt Regency Hotel, which is uh, attached to the uh, Galleria, which is our big shopping Your mall.
0: mall. Yeah, I can't wait to and, go there.
1: Uh, so there's some there's some places to eat down there now i i I warn you most of the south a lot of stuff is fried and a lot of stuff is sweet you know so oh, uh, i
0: love the sweet people
1: yeah people want to take you here take you there there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of bad food uh, well but you around, know what but,
0: every single restaurant especially in this day and age they do have the fried food choices which is great, you know, because there's a lot of people that really enjoy their fried food, and, and that's fine. It's just not for me, personally. But they also have mm-hmm. um, healthy options on, on each menu, you know? They usually do. Yeah, yeah, they always do.
1: So you should not have a problem in that, but no. you will have people saying, oh, you've got to come and try this and this.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's no, there's no oh, sort nice. of local food that, you know, you want to warn me about, like, um, like I don't know, fish eyeballs fried in Chili or something? No, we don't. <laughs> you know, like some mad. We
1: don't eat stuff like that. No, because
0: you know, i I've got a, a pretty nice sense of humor, and people, and I love to have a, a joke and a laugh with people. And and whenever I go to conventions, someone always says, "Oh, listen, you really need to try this," but you know, but I really don't need to try that because it's always some <laughs> horrible, you know, like some dreadful. It's like some part of an animal that you do not want to know about, you know. That that's right. deep fried, yeah. and, you know. Like, <laughs> oh God. So, uh, oh, that's good. Okay, so nothing, nothing you you, uh, you need to warn me about. Good, and no particular people that you need to warn me about who are going to tie me up. Like, at um, there was a show, oh, it shall remain nameless, where they had this habit of um, of storming in and tying up one of the actors to a chair and then they they'd bring in the klingons and they'd um they'd have a a on-the-spot court where you'd be trialed you know you'd be on trial for some invented you know thing that you supposedly had done and and you would be really embarrassed in front of everyone because you would be literally tied to the well
1: they they do have the um Mandalorians from Star Wars, uh, they set up a jail oh, no. at the convention. Oh. Cool. And people can go and they can pay a bounty, and the and the the uh, Mandalorians will go out and find that person and bring them back and and put them in jail for a certain amount of time, and it's to raise money for a charity.
0: Oh God!
1: Now if you don't if you don't want to take part in, and I'm sure you can talk to Jamie and Rita, and they'll you know tell them to leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it was that that kind of thing, except that it would happen. They wouldn't there wouldn't be a place that they would take you. They would actually come to you, and I mean, it was hilarious. everyone would laugh and giggle, and it was a, a lot of fun to be had. you know, it was hilarious, but right, but kind of embarrassing because you you would just literally be picked up, you'd be at your table, you would be picked up and Taken to a chair in front of you and and literally tied to it. <laughs> you know, so it's like ah, no, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah,
1: they don't tie anybody up. No. They just put them in a big. It's a big cardboard uh, jail cell that they've got made oh, up, and right. they will put you in there for. And it's just for like ten minutes. You go in there for like ten minutes, and then they let you out. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, no, so, I don't. I don't think but I. But people it.
1: can come by and take your picture while you're standing oh, no. in the cell and all. No,
0: count <laughs> so, me out of that one. Thanks for warning me about that. No, I always ask yeah. if there's something I need to be warned about. <laughs> I don't think that's the, no, that's not for me, I don't think. But I'm really, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited, I'm very excited about it. And I love coming over to the U.S. Uh, it's a big, you know, it's always a big thrill for me. I used to live there. I well, live have there. a
1: safe trip. Okay. And, uh, and I look forward to meeting
0: you next week. I look forward to meeting you too. And I look forward to meeting as many of the listeners as possible that are coming along.